Good morning. If you haven't noticed, it's summer. Praise God. The rains have stopped. The sun is shining. And some of you are complaining it's hot. I tell you, we can't ever please everybody, but and I'll take this over what we used to have. So praise God for all of the sunshine and the warmth and the heat of summer because, folks, it never lasts, right? And so we, get, we take it while we can get it. Amen. So I have the privilege of being here this morning with you. It's been a couple of weeks, probably I think two months since I've last seen you. And uh, what a joy it is to be here and to uh, spend some time with you and to open God's word with you. I'd like to start with a little trivia question on the, on the slide behind me, in front of you, are uh, some faces. What do these people have in common? Al Kaline, Aretha Franklin, Barry Sanders, Jeff Gordon, and Rahab. They're what? I'm, I'm a little older. I need a little louder. Huh? One more time. Rob, no, well, is Jeff Gordon from Detroit? I'm pretty sure Rahab's not from Detroit. I'm just, just a hunch. I'm going to go on a limb on that one. <clears throat> They're all stars. Okay. All right. Anybody else? All right. They're all in a Hall of Fame. Oh, I know, I know. Right? Al Kaline? Baseball Hall of Fame. Right? Aretha Franklin? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Barry Sanders? Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jeff Gordon, NASCAR Hall of Fame. Aha. Uh -huh. Rahab, God's Faith Hall of Fame, and perhaps the most important one of all. I don't know if you know this, but there are hundreds and hundreds of Hall of Fames all around the world, the majority of which are in the United States. We have a Hall of Faith, a fame for every major sporting league that we know. Lacrosse is on there. I didn't know it was that big of a deal, but it's on there. We have Hall of Fames for toys, for aviation, for agriculture. There's even a Hall of Fame for the National Cowgirls. There's a Na National Cowgirls Hall of Fame in Texas, of course, of course. People want to be famous. People want to be remembered. People do extraordinary things, and we capture them in a Hall of Fame to remind us and remind them of all of the greatness and all of the exploits that they have done. And to be honest, and if we're honest with ourselves, none of us are really going to get there, right? I know that's going to burst some of your bubbles, but none of us are really going to do that much extraordinary stuff to, to get us into a Hall of Fame. But there is one Hall of Fame that you and I can get into, and it's the one that Rahab is part of. It's the one that is the Faith Hall of fame. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're, we've been in this museum for a couple of weeks as the author of Hebrews has taken us through God's hall of faith. And we've looked at one portrait after another, one inductee after another, to all of these inductees who were placed in the hall of fame centuries before Jesus Christ. And we've seen their exploits. We've seen what they've done. We've seen the victories they've won. We've seen everything. And God has placed them into his hall of faith. And what an amazing legacy these faithful men and women have left for each one of us. They've undertaken, undertaken mighty deeds of valor at the risk of their lives because they had faith in, in who God is and in God's promises and in his power. And so as we come to the end of this chapter, the author realizes he's running out of time, he's running out of paper, and so he starts to do a rapid fire list of people and events without any explanation. <clears throat> because he wants to drive home 
the fact that we as a body of believers, we are not isolated, but we're part of a family. We're part of a legacy of faith. And that's what we're going to look at, that people of faith join the legacy of God's promise. People of faith join in the legacy of God's promise. You know, we as a church and we as Woodside, we're very blessed because we have a legacy of faith. We have Pastor Billy, who's, who's our pastor today, wonderful man of God. Would you agree? Yes. Amen. But before him, who did we have? Steve, Steve. Steve Zarelli. And before him, Bob Bryant. And that's, that's where my history ends. And some of you, you've been, you've been here a lot longer than that. But what am, I, what am I trying to say? We have a legacy of faith. Legacy of men and women in this church who have faithfully lived for Jesus Christ through the thick and the thin, to the ups and the downs, a legacy of faith that they have left for us on which we live. And we as a wider Woodside family, remember the 28 years of the Pastor Doug and Carolyn who so faithfully served us as, a, as pastors of this church. And what a legacy they've left for us. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is going to drive home for us, is that we are part of a legacy of God's promise. So how do we become part of that legacy? Well, the short answer is we live by faith. But today, I want to share with you two things that come from verses 32 to 40. And in 32 to 40, we have two lists before us. And the first list tells us that people of faith conquer in adversity. People of faith conquer in adversity. Let me read verse 32. And what, shall, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. So the author is running out of time, but you and I have a little bit more time. We're going to spend a little time talking about some of these characters. I used to think when I was young and dumb that, you know, everybody knew all these characters and Although not much has changed about me, I've learned that everyone doesn't know all these characters. So let's just take a few minutes and walk through these characters. First one is Gideon. Gideon was scared. In the book of Judges, we find him threshing wheat in a wine press at night because he's scared of the Midianites who have invaded the land of Israel. And God shows up one night and says, Gideon, man of valor, I'm sending you to defeat the enemy. And he's going, who, me? I'm the, I'm the lowest of the family of the families of Israel. I'm the bottom. You can't send me. And God says, have faith, go. So he gets together 32,000 people. He said, God, I'm ready. And God said, no, you're not. You got way too many people. That may be enough for you. It's too much for me. What? And God then takes 32,000 people and he cuts them down to how many? 300. 300. Thank you. 300. God... How do you fight a large army, massive amounts of people, with 300 people? By faith. Gideon, stop thinking and start trusting. And that's what he did. And with 300 people, he overcame a sizable army, won the victory. God gave it to him because he lived in faith. Barak, also in the book of Judges. God called Barak to go against an army, the army of Sisera. Problem is, Sisera had 900 iron chariots and an infantry to go with it. And God said, go. And Barak said, no, not, not, not a good idea, God. I don't have the people. I don't have iron chariots. I don't have weapons that are going to take them out. I can't go. God said, go anyway. 
God, how are we, with no iron weapons, going to go fight an army who is so much more powerful than me? You go by faith. And Barak said, God, you know, I'm a little bit of a wuss. Can you let Deborah come with me, the, the judge? And so Deborah agrees, and together they go out, and they conquer, and they destroy the 900 chariots and infantry of Sisera, the enemy, by faith. Samson. What can we say about Samson? You know, he was a player, wasn't he? I mean, even from the womb, God called him and said, I'm going to set you apart to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And the Spirit of God would rush upon him, and he'd have such strength to, to rip open uh, animals and, and kill people. One story, he, he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Really powerful man. But he had a powerful weakness. He loved women. And he chased after Philistine women, and one of them betrayed him and got him caught and bound, and his eyes were put out. Terrible end to a, a tragic story. What do we have next? Jephthah. You know, Jephthah came from a messed up family. He was the illegitimate son of the previous ruler, and his family kicked him out, didn't want anything to do with him. And yet when the enemies of God invaded the land, God tapped him on the shoulder and said, Jephthah, go lead my people. And Jephthah said, I've got the wrong pedigree. The people don't like me. They've kicked me out. What, God, what do you want me to do? Go in faith. And in spite of his background, in spite of his heritage, in spite of all the things that was wrong with him, God used Jephthah by faith to defeat a powerful army and win the victory for God's people. We have David. We know David, man after God's own heart, who at a very young age went to see his brothers fighting a battle against the Philistines, and he saw this giant of a man named Goliath challenging the armies of God, and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who comes against our people? And with five stones and a slingshot, he goes against Goliath and he says, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And with one stone, he knocks that giant down by faith. And we have Samuel, wonderful prophet of God, a man from his youth who grew up in the temple and God called him to anoint kings. Ter a, a terrific man of God. And, and what encouragement do we take from this? That as you think of all of these people, as much as they had such great victories by faith, all of them were failures at some point or another. David committed adultery and murder. Samuel was a terrible father. Gideon messed it up at the end of his life. And all throughout these characters and all throughout the pages of Scripture, we have a transparent lens at the lives of these characters that show their weaknesses, that show their failures. The Bible doesn't mince any words. These were men and women who failed, and yet because of faith, they triumphed. And because of faith, God places them into His hall of faith. That should give us encouragement, shouldn't it? That no matter what we've done or not done, no matter what our background is, whether it's good or bad, no matter how weak we may have been, no matter how, how bad things have turned out, if we choose to live by faith today, we can also find ourselves in this hall of faith. By faith. By faith we con conquer in adversity. Now, if you, that's all just one verse, by the way. Verse 33 and 34 give us a list of nine examples of mighty things that these heroes of faith have performed. They've conquered kingdoms. We've talked about some of them. Who are some of the people who've conquered kingdoms that you know of? David. I got one brave soul. Thank you. Anybody else? 
David, Joshua, Samuel, the list goes on. You guys need more coffee. We need some coffee. Maybe some IV drip. I don't know. Uh, enforce justice. Who enforced justice? Israel, Samuel, David, again. Obtained promises. It's an easy one. Moses obtained a promise. Abraham obtained a promise. David obtained the best promise. I will put one on your throne whose kingdom will last forever. At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua says, all the good things that God has promised has been fulfilled. And what's he talking about? Many centuries ago, God said that to Abraham. I'll give you descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sands of the seashore, and I'll give you this land. And in Joshua's time, God fulfilled that promise. Stop the mouth of lions. Take a wild guess. If you said Daniel, you said the right one. By the way, David, David killed a lion. Samson killed a lion. But only one stopped the mouth of lions. I'm okay. I'm good enough with that. God placed him right in the middle of a bunch of lions and said, don't eat them. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. Quench the power of fire. Anybody come to mind? Shadrach, Meshach, and Tibet we go. I mean, Abednego, right? That's right. King of Babylon threw them into the fire because they wouldn't worship the graven image. And they said, we won't bow down. Our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. And he threw them into this seven times hot fire. And the king looks in and said, didn't we throw three people in there? Yes, king, we did. And how come I see four and one that looks like the son of God? And they bring them out. And they don't want to smell like smoke. Not even a hair of their head is singed. Because that's the power of God to quench fire. Then we have escaped the edge of the sword. And you can think of a whole bunch of them. They were made strong out of weakness. Remember Samson at the end of his life. What a mess he made. But at the very end of his life. As he's being paraded through that pagan temple. All the lords of the Philistines making fun of him. Jeering him. Laughing at him. He says God just one more time. Just once. I don't have the strength I used to have, but just one more time, give it to me. And he took his hands and he placed it on the pillars of that temple and he pushed. A man who brought the house down, right? And he killed more people on that one event than he did the entire rest of his life. Paul says, in my weakness, he is made strong. He's a God who brings strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight. These are such powerful stories, aren't they? They're stories where we go, yes, God, yes, hallelujah, you did it again. Awesome. Rah, rah. Yeah, all right, thanks. God, where are you in my life? But these are stories we need, aren't they? They're stories that demonstrate the power of faith. They're stories that demonstrate what happens when you live by faith and God shows up. They're stories about people who didn't just look at their circumstances or their heritage or what they had. They looked at a God that was much bigger than them who would solve the problems that were much bigger than them. And they said, by faith, we'll trust in you. And God showed up and gave them the victory and gave them deliverance. These heroes of faith trusted in God and the power of God and the character of God, and God showed up to give them the victory. In the book written by Jackie Pullinger, titled Chasing the Dragon, the front cover reads the true story of how one woman's faith resulted in the conversion of hundreds of drug addicts, prostitutes, and hardened criminals in Hong Kong's infamous walled city. And in the back cover, she writes, inside Hong Kong lies the infamous walled city. Strangers are not welcome here. Police hesitate to enter. It is a haven of filth, crime, and sin. 
Prostitution, pornography, and drug addiction flourish. 30,000 people, maybe twice that, live in a few cramped, dismal acres. Jackie had grown up believing that if she put her trust in God, he would lead her. When she was 20 years old, God called her to the walled city. She obeyed. And as she spoke of Jesus Christ, brutal hoods were converted. Prostitutes retired from their trade. Heroin junkies found a new power that freed them from the bondage of drug addiction. Hundreds discovered new life in Jesus Christ. Yes, God, thank you. Is there an amen? amen. The power of God in faith. How did she do that? At 20 years old, to walk into a dangerous, drug-infested, criminal-filled place and to preach the gospel by faith. It wasn't her, was it? In her weakness, God showed up. In her weakness, God did what she couldn't do. Hundreds have come to know Jesus Christ by faith because of one who obeyed. Through faith, we join the legacy of God's promise when we conquer adversity by faith. This early church, they were tempted to give up. There was so much persecution, so much pressure to just get rid of God out of their lives. And they would be so much better off. And the writer says, don't give up. Don't quit. Hang on. Know that this legacy of faith, all of these men and women who've lived before you, lived in faith, conquering adversity, one generation after another, after another. That's how we join the legacy of God's promise. The first list taught us that people of faith conquer in adversity. We come to the second list in verse 35. And in the second list, we learn that people of faith set their sight beyond this world. People of faith set their sight beyond this world. Notice verse 35. <clears throat> Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Wait, what happened to that first list? That was a wonderful list. What's all this pain and suffering about? This is not stuff we want to write home about. This is hard stuff. Can I just say, if anybody told you that there would be no pain in the Christian life, somebody lied to you. In this world, you will have suffering, tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There is pain in this world. There's suffering in this world, especially if you're a child of God. Because the ruler of this world doesn't want you to succeed. Doesn't want you to keep that faith. And in the beginning of verse 35, it starts so well. It says, women received back their dead by resurrection. And you think of the stories of Elijah and Elisha, even Jesus and the apostles who raised the dead. Praise God. But then at the end of verse 35, it says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. The word some there stands in contrast to those who were resurrected in the beginning of verse 35. Some were resurrected, praise God, but the vast majority were not. 
God showed up in miraculous power and dynamic deliverance in, in so many ways. But for the vast majority, he did not. What's going on, God? I thought if I placed my trust in you, things would all turn out okay. Isn't that what the Bible says? All things work together for good. I'm just waiting for the good. How come it's not coming out so good? How come you're not showing up? Can I just tell you? It's not because your faith is weak. I know some people would like to tell you if you had just enough faith, that would just turn around. But that's not what the Bible says. Notice these were tortured for their faith. Tortured, that word comes from the word that we get, our word timpani, that, 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 in, that percussion instrument. And it means to stretch someone out on a frame and then beat them to death. It's a horrible way to die. And this most likely came from several stories during the intertestamental period probably taken from the book of Maccabees where Antiochus Epiphanes came back to quench a, a rebellion in Jerusalem and, and started to murder people of God. And in fact, in one story, a, an old lady was brought in and told to deny her faith. And she said, no, I won't, I won't deny, deny my Lord. They said, if you don't deny your Lord, if you don't deny God, we're going to kill all seven of your sons. She said, doesn't matter. I have faith in God. He'll deliver me. And one by one, they marched her sons in front of her said, deny God. And she said, no, I won't. And one by one, they killed him, all seven. And then they killed her. Why? Where was God? How come God didn't show up? How come there wasn't a blast of thunder and lightning and boom? There goes Antiochus Epiphanes. Because sometimes God shows up for immediate deliverance, and sometimes there's delayed deliverance. But regardless, there's always deliverance. This lady was looking at something better. And what these people were trying to do, <clears throat> as they were trying to get her to recant her faith, she said, no, all you have to do is say no to God, and then your life will be spared. Your job will be given back to you. You can be successful in life. And she said, no, I will not compromise. The reason is because she was looking for a better world. She looked beyond this world and said, there's a better world coming. God who gave me life will give my, give my sons and me life in the world to come. They realized that what they were going through, the pain that they were enduring, the suffering they were facing, none of it had the last say in their lives. These people who suffered and died, they didn't renege on their faith. They held on to their faith in the one who called them and promised them a life to come. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our valley, and we sang it, it was the first song we sang, Can We Give Glory to God? when we're in our valley. It's easy to sing those songs, but is it possible that when the doctor comes and says you have cancer, or when the doctor says you only have a week to live, or when a relationship is broken, or when something happens in our life that is catastrophic, are we able to give God glory in the valleys of our life? When God doesn't seem to show up. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. It doesn't matter what this world does to you because there's a world coming. Where are our eyes? This world will tell us that we're failures. This world will tell us that we're not successful. But the question is, what lasts forever? What this world tells us or what God tells us? You see, faith is not predicated on success. Faith is not predicated on success. Faith depends on the one in whom it is placed, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you have faith in him, 
you will succeed even if it doesn't happen in this world. Notice, as he talks about in verses 35 to 38, they were mocked, flogged, they were put in chains and prisons, <clears throat> they were stoned, sawn in two, killed by the sword, sawn in two. Uh, the Jewish history says that the prophet Isaiah, at the end of his life, was cut in two by a saw. Paul was stoned, he was, he was beheaded by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. They wandered in deserts, mountains, dens, and caves. How is this a picture of victory? I mean, at the beginning of the list or the previous list, they escaped the sword. In this list, they're dying by the sword. In the first list, they're conquering kingdoms and setting armies to flight. In this list, they're losers. They're weak. They're stoned and imprisoned and flogged. What's right? Well, they're both right. The point isn't about the success. The point is about our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we can trust Him, and if we can continue to hold on to Him, whether the life is going great or whether life is going horrible, we trust in the one in whom we have placed our faith that no matter what happens, He will bring the good things in our life to pass in the way only he can do. The author is making a bigger point than just to say that things go well for some people and that things go bad for others. He's trying to help us expand our perspective. He's saying that all of these people of faith, from Abel all the way down to the prophets, are answering the call of God, required that they had trust in God and his purposes. It required them to do things beyond their ability, beyond their ability simply to produce an heir, beyond their ability to quench the flames, beyond the ability to shut the mouth of lions. All those are wonderful. But they knew that the purposes of God was much larger than all of that because they set their eyes beyond this world. Several years ago, Linda Holm, wife of musician Dallas Holm, found out that she had a lump on her breast and she went in to the doctor and they found it was a malignant tumor and she basically breast cancer and though her faith was strong in God and she was sure of God's promises, she was crushed emotionally and she questioned God. She underwent a mastectomy and six months of chemotherapy and her husband Dallas was interviewed and he says, sometimes in our valley and in our sorrow, we believe that if we just knew what God was doing, that that would settle it. God, if you just tell me, what you're doing, it would be okay. He says, I'm not sure that would make any difference. Faith is when you don't know, when it doesn't make sense, when you can't understand, but you trust in God anyway. <clears throat> it would be great to know what God is doing. It would be wonderful see, to see this beautiful tapestry he's weaving, but faith doesn't need that. Faith doesn't require success. It's faith in spite of all that. When you look at God when you can't see what's in front of you, when you don't know what's coming around the corner and you still trust God, that's faith. If you're in a season of suffering, <coughs> if you're in a low point of, of, of time in your life, trust God. That's what these men and women of faith have done and that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us, that no matter what happens in our life, hold on to God, don't quit. Keep holding on to Him. That it may be horrible. You may end up having to say goodbye to this world. But remember, there's a world that's yet to come. And in that world, will he look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what it's about. 
There are some quotes I'd like to share with you. Warren Wiersbe said, it takes more faith to endure than it does to escape. So true, isn't it? So true. Chrysostom, the early church father, says, for the wonderful qualities of faith are two. It both accomplishes great things and suffers great things, treating suffering as if it were nothing. That's easy to say and easy to write, but it's really hard to live. You all may be remembering the song Matt Redman wrote, Blessed Be Your Name. You remember that song? In that song, he said, Blessed be your name when the sun shining down on me and the world is all that it could be. Blessed be your name. Isn't that wonderful? And then the next stanza says, Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in this offering. And what's the rest of it? Blessed be your... How can you do that? By faith. The bridge says, you give and you take away, you give and you take away, you give. And if you sing it, like there doesn't mean anything, but what happens when God takes it away? Blessed be your name. That's what it means to live by faith. That's how we join the legacy of brothers and sisters who've gone on before. When God gives and when God takes away, when it's high and when it's low, when life is all as it should be or when there's pain in this offering, we live by faith. And it takes faith please God, and you get your name added into the hall of faith. Men and women, may I ask you this morning, are you men and women of faith? Does your faith depend on your circumstances, or is there something beyond this world that you've set your hope in that says, it doesn't matter what this world gives me, whether it's high or whether it's slow, whether it's pain or whether it's plenty, I've set my faith in a God who has promised something far greater for me. And as we look at this chapter from Abel down through the judges, down through the kings and the prophets, down through the early church fathers, and down to you and me, generation after generation after generation, that promise of faith has been passed down. And the writer in verse 39 and 40 says that those people of old, they had a promise, but they didn't receive it because God had something prepared better for us. And guess what that better is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You see, they were looking forward to Jesus. They had received the promise, but they didn't get it fulfilled in their time. They looked forward. They didn't know what it looked like. They didn't know how it happened. They looked forward. But you and I, we have the blessing to look back at the cross and say, thank God. That Jesus came at just the right time. And at just the right time, he died on a cross. He paid the penalty that you and I could never pay. So that we who have faith in him might have a world yet to come. Together with the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, together, God makes us perfect by faith. And if you can conquer in adversity, and if you can set your eyes beyond this world, then you've pleased God and your name too will be written in the hall of faith. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word and your promises. Your promises never fail. Regardless of what's happening in our life, whether it's good or bad, whether it's pain or plenty, your promises never fail because they are yes in Jesus Christ. Father, I don't know the pain and the issues of life that's going on in this church, but you do. You called every one of these individuals by name. You died for them. You shed your blood for them. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, 
May they come to know you by faith, repenting of their sins and accepting the price that you paid. And for those brothers and sisters here who do know you, who may be going through pain, who may be going through suffering, I pray that you would bring relief, that you would bring a shortening of that season of pain. But even if you don't, Father, help us to hold on to you and never quit. Knowing that we stand on the shoulders of men and women who've gone on before, a legacy of faith in the promises of God. May we not give way to fear. May we not give way to failure. May we not give way to the compromises of this world. May we hold strong to you. Knowing that the one who promised is faithful to complete everything that he's told us he would do. Help us to live by that kind of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.